Hey, man, you can have a seat. You guys thought I was going to preach that short? Well. <laughs> um, go to Acts chapter 2. This morning's kind of a, a standalone message for us, um, focusing on a, a, just a, a couple of things. And then again, if you're a guest with us, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I really am. I do believe that God has you here intentionally and on purpose. I do think that there is a reason for you being here. Um, I will admit at the onset, and it won't surprise anybody once we start walking through this, um, that, that this is the type of message that I'm most uncomfortable with because I'm not just like completely anchored into a text and able to just tell the story and unpack it and highlight things. I've got to do a lot of, um, a lot of explaining, a lot of um, laying out some conversations and some decisions and some different things with the church. So it's like, ugh, much, next week, can't wait to get back in the Word. Like just, I'm just going to read all of Matthew next week and then make up for it. So. Now, Acts chapter 2, let me, let me lay out just a little picture for you. Our, 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 our um, purpose as a church is to glorify God in everything that we do. That's our goal, right? Our mission is to love God most and love others best. And our vision is to intentionally share the gospel of Jesus Christ through serving and building relationships with those in our community and beyond. And, and so the, all of those things um, are, are kind of a filter for what we do as a church, right? And, and it's... It's exciting, and it's fun, and it's amazing, and you look, and you're like, is this the way that we should do it? Is this the way we should do it? And, and one of the decisions we made a handful of years ago was we need to come up with some core values to kind of use as another filter. And so our core values that are up on the wall right behind the sound room, if, you are, if you're out in the lobby, that's what those are, they all come out of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And just to give you a little context, this is the day of Pentecost. Peter stands in front of uh, his, his, all of these people and just unloads a heavy-duty gospel message. I mean, he, he pulls no punches. You were the ones that crucified Jesus, so there you go. I mean, that's the way I could have started the service. It didn't, chose not to. Thought a different approach might be appropriate. So he unloads it, and then as a result, as the Spirit moves among the people, what you end up seeing is a whole host of people come to know Jesus. Verse 41, those who accepted the message of Peter were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So, so you're talking this massive, expansive growth within the church there. Um, after this happens. Now, verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property. They distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So just running through real quick, we, 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 we value, and one of the things we place a high value on is making sure that we are intentional about loving God by knowing him personally and, and, and serving him with everything we have. The word that is used is they devoted themselves. They gave themselves to it. They abandoned themselves to these things unselfishly. These new believers are like, we are all in. And that is, that's not a program. That's not a strategy. That's a natural reaction to the gospel. If you believe the gospel and you understand what Jesus has saved you from, then, then your commitment to God and his call on your life is going to be complete. But not only do we do we, we love God with everything we have, but we value God's word by studying what it means and then doing what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, so we study God's word, and then when we do that, what it does is it reminds us of who we are and reminds us of who he is. 
When we study God's word, it helps us to get to know God better. It protects us from false teaching and, and false gospels. It shows us what we're supposed to be doing. So we look at God's word and we value it higher than any experience any one of us have ever had. We value it more than any feeling any of us have. We value it higher than any other resource because this is the authoritative, inerrant, inspired word of God. And it tells us who he is and what he's done for us. You see in that picture of the young church, they're growing together with God's people. They're engaging in intentional relationships. The word fellowship is used. I'm going to tell you right now, no matter what you've experienced in church, fellowship isn't coffee time. Fellowship includes coffee. But that's not it. It's so much bigger than that. It's the Greek word for uh, koinonia, the, the root word koinos, which means common, to share in common with. It means to have this, this social intimacy between brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's, it's understanding what do we have in common. We, we don't have geographical nearness even here at our church. We're spread out all over the place, right? We don't have necessarily ethnic similarities. We don't have our preferences. We have different sports teams we cheer for. We have different foods we enjoy. Most of us, however, have had our NCAA brackets explode before our very eyes. But more importantly than that, what we have in common is who we are in Jesus Christ. And so the early church, not just on Sundays, not just in their worship facilities, but in homes throughout the week, served each other, met the needs that were known among them. They prayed for each other. They had this intimate relationship with one another, and that's what made that church so special. They enjoyed God's presence by spending regular time in personal and in corporate prayer. You go through the book of Acts, and what you see is these weren't a people that occasionally prayed. These were a praying people. You get in chapter 1, and Judas has betrayed Jesus. The apostles gather, like, we, we need a replacement for Judas, so let's pray and see who God would give to us. You get to Acts chapter 4, they're thrown into jail and then released from jail with the threat of more persecution, and their prayer isn't, God, would you remove the persecution? Their prayer is, give us boldness and courage in spite of the persecution. You get to chapter 6, things are growing out of control. They're having difficulties pop up, and the leadership says, okay, even though we have all these difficulties, we are going to devote ourselves to prayer. In chapter 8, they prayed for new believers to experience fullness in their faith. You, you get up to chapter 12, and very real needs are happening. Peter has been thrown into jail, and the church gathers to pray for his miraculous release. They just keep praying because they're a praying people, and that's what we should be. We invest in God's work by faithfully displaying generosity. I love this, that they, 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 they sold what they had, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. This is not communism. Communism demands that you sell everything. This was a free will offering where people were valued over possessions. We would do well to learn that lesson, wouldn't we? People are valued more than possessions. They're driven by this life that actually at its, at its foundation is, is created in us because of the greatest act of generosity that has ever been displayed when Jesus Christ humbly came and died for us. They were giving in that way. They were participating in God's mission by sharing the gospel with those within the community and beyond. The word awe is used. They were in awe. Every soul was just struck with awe as they saw what was happening among the people. The message of the gospel should strike you with awe. And when you are awed, you'll start talking. 
you'll understand the length that God came to rescue you from yourself. You have difficulty sharing the gospel? We all do. Do you overcome the hurdle to do it? If you regularly don't, let me encourage you in this. Spend some time gazing at God, who God is and what he's done for you. My guess is that you've, your awe is being diminished. And finally, they celebrate God's faithfulness by rejoicing together as he moves among the community. He talks about the breaking of bread, Lord's Supper. They, they get to gather. They eat their food with joyful and sincere hearts. When's the last time that was what your dinner was called? A joyful and sincere dinner celebration. Instead of, I'll grab this on the go, give myself heartburn, and curse the fact that I decided to eat this McNugget in the street. You should never eat McNuggets off the street. I don't know where that came from, but... Well, let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> as a result of these things, as a result of what God was doing in and among the people, the church grew to this insane, crazy place. It wasn't because of Peter and his amazing approach to the gospel. It wasn't because of the apostles. It wasn't because of any church service. It wasn't because of any church building. It wasn't because of this specific strategy to make sure we reach the corners of the earth. It was because this is just the natural outworking of the gospel in these people's lives. And that's what we want to see here at Uniontown, this natural outworking of the gospel. We want to be a people who are dedicated to God's word, and then we are dedicated to applying God's word wherever we go. Because we believe in God's word, we have our marching orders. So what does that mean, and why are you talking so fast to get through the passage? Because I have a bunch of notes to go through. As leadership, we believe, the elder team of Uniontown Bible Church, that would be the leadership. The leadership believes that the marching orders for his local assembly here at Uniontown, that God's marching orders are there for us. We believe that when it comes to decision-making or planning or strategizing or whatever it might be, that no matter what, this is what we do. When God clearly commands it, we do it. When God clearly forbids it, we don't do it. For everything else, we pray like maniacs and rely on godly wisdom. And that, that seems to be where most things land. It's like it's obvious God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Easy. It's easy when God says, thou shalt, he doesn't say thou shalt, but you're going to go make disciples of all nations. Easy. There's some other things that make it like, ah, I don't know. So in the last few months, um, we've been discussing a number of things. And so what I want to do as the mouthpiece of the elders, and I don't know why I'm qualified to be that, um, I want to lay out a change, I want to lay out some potential changes, and I want to own one oops. I'm going to start with the oops, because if I don't, that's all you're going to think about until I get there. All right, a little storytelling time. Back in 2018, actually it was 2017, well, we began the unenviable task of rewriting the bylaws of Uniontown Bible Church, and we started from scratch. Those things were old, outdated, and we needed a new beginning, and so we in 2018, as a church family, as membership of Uniontown Bible Church, we approved new bylaws. And so, um, in so doing, what we had done is reached out to our lawyer, our attorney, who said, you're starting from scratch, here's a template, use this. And we took the template the attorney had given to us, and we tried to customize it to who we are as a church. You know, our DNA, our culture, I mean, our personality to a degree, it's legal, so no offense lawyers, but lawyers don't have a personality. Um, so, <laughs> it's like the only time I get to joke the whole message, so I'm going with it right there. Um, as we were reviewing it this year, uh, we came across a category that um, we totally missed. Um, 
it came from the lawyer as boilerplate language, the template, and we never tweaked it, changed it, never really noticed it, never really paid attention, and then um, our intention, our purpose, and our understanding was that, as always, had been before 2018, the membership voted for three different things. Okay, issues regarding the senior pastor. This isn't too awkward. Um, the hiring and firing of the senior pastor. I've gloriously been a part of one of those. I'd like to remain just one. Let's go with one, okay? But the membership would vote on the hiring and firing of the senior pastor. The membership would vote on if the church was to go into debt. And the membership was to vote anytime we were to change the bylaws. We operated underneath that uh, understanding. However, upon further review, in the last 2018 update, it added one more thing that we just completely missed. It was this. If we enter into a lease, even if the cost has already been considered in the budget, the membership needs to approve it. Well, last summer, we leased and installed those two modulars to give us the much-needed classroom space. To do that, uh, we had refinanced the mortgage um, to a place actually it put us in a way better place even just on the refinancing. That on its own would have been great. And, and, and so it worked. The payment for those things worked within our generally uh, approved budget already. And so in 2017, done. 2018, we failed. So, on behalf of the elders, I want to apologize to you. We screwed up. We, 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 we overlooked that clause. And there was no intent. I promise you there was no intent. But regardless of intent, we are in error, and we should have caught it, and we didn't. And so on behalf of the elders, I want to apologize. But now what, right? Um, should we just, like, you know, wash our hands, we got it, move on? I mean, there was no intent to, no. As we had discussions in the elder, <laughs> elder room, it sounds like a very official place, it's not. It's wherever the elders gather, it is now the elder room. Um, we all landed unanimously and without reservation. We believe that God honors humility, and when we own our mistakes. So I apologize. That's owning the mistake. And the humility is this. We want to do it over. We're not going to tear the, the trailers out, the modulars out right now. But in two weeks, on April 2nd, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have a very brief members meeting. And we're going to vote on a single proposal. And it's this. I blank vote to lease the two modular classrooms for education meetings, community events, and other functions. And you get to vote yes or no. I think that's the best way for us to move forward on that. But Frank, it's already there. Pretend like it's not. <laughs> Vote. But what if, nope, we have not discussed, and on purpose, we have not discussed any what ifs. We're going to, because we believe that, that God placed that there on purpose, we should have seen it, we didn't, so we're going to act like we are doing this the first time, and we're going to put it out there for a vote. So members, if you are a member of Uniontown Bible Church, later today, you're going to receive an official email that has that motion in there, um, and, and you'll get that this afternoon. Um, and if you have any questions before April 2nd, then let me uh, encourage you to grab one of the elders and just direct your questions at them, okay? Bylaws, as I was talking about bylaws because that's the most exciting thing in the world. Um, the revisions that we've been working on that caused us to find this clause, uh, we, we uh, are getting them back from our attorney. We've sent our first draft out there, these little revised. It came back to us, and so we need to tweak a couple things. And so we're hoping to present those to you. Um, probably April 2nd is our goal, the same day as that member meeting, um, but somewhere right around that. So what are we changing in the bylaws? There's a lot of small changes. Tweak of a word here get rid of an extra comma here, 
um, a couple of formatting issues, numbering issues. There's some medium changes, not going to lie. Uh, we are going to address this lease thing um, simply because it's not just any lease. It, the way it's worded, it could really actually gum up the works here at church where we wouldn't be able to do our daily tasks as a staff without getting you to come in and vote on us. It's pretty ridiculous. It's almost to the place of we need paper for the copier. All in favor? Um, so we definitely need to rework that one. And, and there's, some, there's some bigger changes as well. We want to put those in front of you. So after we've distributed those bylaw changes to you, just function-wise, how this will work, we'll have a, a whole mess of question and answer times where the elders will be in a room and you're all invited, member or not, you're all invited to come in, ask your specific questions before we vote. We won't vote on those until sometime early summer. We'll make that date um, uh, obvious when we hand out those proposals anyway. Um, one of the proposed changes within those bylaws, speaking of bylaws, um, I kind of hinted at last week, and a few of you really caught on to it. Some of you didn't, because you're here today. So I want to jump in a little bit, and I want to introduce it to you, and I want to explain it a bit, okay? Um, I'd say months, but that's not true. It's been more than just a month. We, we've really lamented as an elder team and as a deacon team um, how, how we can best use that office of deacon here at Uniontown. Um, We've been praying and pouring over what it is, how it can work, who's welcome as a deacon. And I mean, we've had deacons. We just haven't been effective at utilizing them very well. So we need to do better. I mean, that, that's a commitment from the elders to all of you. We need to do better at this. So we're, we're constantly trying to find ways to do better um, at this. What is a deacon? Well, we've kind of landed on that. So let me put this up there in front of you. A deacon is someone who is set apart to serve others under the oversight of the elders by ensuring that the tangible needs within the church are met at the corporate and the individual levels. Okay, so that's, that's the definition of what it is. I'll leave that up there in, in front of you for a bit. Um, we're, we're in the process um, of answering the how question. So how can we more, be more effective in this area of deaconing, if that's really a verb? Um, how can we be more effective at utilizing them? So that, that's still ongoing. We want to do better. We have to do better. Um, but what we just wrapped up is a season of answering the who of deacons, which again, I sort of tipped my hand at towards uh, last weekend. We, um, we, we actually kicked off this process back in 2019. Um, and then something happened in 2020 that messed us up. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Um, slowed us down a little bit. <laughs> but last week as I was working through Romans 16, I made this statement as we talked about Phoebe um, that we believe that her role at Sancrea was that of a deacon and that there is no reason why women cannot be deacons. That can land with a profound thud if I'm not careful to explain and do some defining. For a lot of reasons, not the least of which is this, many of us in this room, us being me, grew up in a church where deacons were actually the leaders of the church. They, they were the ones who were functioning as, as, as we would define elders. They were the board of directors. So, so it's really important that before I go any further, when I, you hear me say, there is no reason why women cannot be deacons. You also need to hear me say, deacons and elders, not the same thing at all. Okay? Elders are concerned with the, the spiritual needs and the leadership of the church. They lead the church. They teach the word. They protect the church from false teaching. They use proper um, judgment in theological and doctrinal matters. And then they, they pray for the sick. Now, many people are called to do those exact things. But the elders are the ones who are responsible to lead in those areas. For example, tomorrow night at 6.30, right? 
We're all called to pray for the sick. We're all called to pray for those who are in need. But tomorrow night at 6.30, the elders are going to lead through that process. So we want you all here. Uh, the qualifications for an elder, you can find them in 1 Timothy and in Titus and in 1 Peter to a degree. And I'm going to overgeneralize a little bit here just for time's sake and say that the qualifications for an elder, I'm talking about an elder, are almost exclusively character-based. There's two significant exceptions, okay? They need to be able to teach. That doesn't mean they need to be able to stand up here and preach. That doesn't mean that they have to teach thousands of people. It could be just sitting down one-on-one and be able to explain the gospel to somebody. They, They need that ability. The second thing that we would see as a qualification for an elder is that they must be men. August 11th, I'm going to give you this date. If you have way too much time on your hands, go back to August 11th, 2019. Um, As elders, we worked through that very specific topic, and then I got to preach that message, and I will be honest with you, I was a little surprised this morning, it is, without question, the longest message I ever preached in the history of my ministry. It was 56 minutes long. Listen to it on double speed, it's awesome. You You think I talk fast now, it's pretty amazing. Anyway. I don't have time to work through all of that message again, but, but as we, we revived that study and brought it back up in the elder room and had the conversation, um, we've confirmed that our position is that elders should exclusively be men. Why? Because women are less than, Frank? No. That's an accusation. That's an accusation that's made against those of us who take this stand, and quite honestly, it's a very distasteful accusation, disingenuous and dishonest. It's not because women are less than. Let me, I'm going to say this three times. You ready? We believe women should be exercising the same spiritual gifts as men. We believe women should be exercising the same spiritual gifts as men. One more time, okay? We believe women should be, I still messed it up, exercising the same spiritual gifts as men. But for some reason, in God's plan, he has given a specific role within church leadership that is, in fact, limited to men. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't pretend to even understand it. In fact, the people who stand up is like, I can tell you why, because, you know, uh, women are more emotional, and so they don't, stop it. I hope your tires get slashed. I should have just gone with, that makes me feel cantankerous like I have written in my notes. (laughs) Second service, I may go about that a little differently. Um, Honestly, it is. What that does is we don't know. We just know that in God's perfect plan, he said, this is it. That's all. And and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm okay with that. I don't need to understand everything that God lays out for us. If you needed me to understand everything God laid out for us, you'd all be in trouble. Right? I don't know, and I'm okay not knowing. So all that, that was a lot. All that to say this, deacons and elders, not the same thing. So as long as the church is keeping that distinction, okay, as long as the church has um, biblical elders functioning as a biblical elder team, which I believe Uniontown has in spades here, we believe that women can then uh, be deacons. We walked through a ton of information as a team, as an elder team. We walked through all of these things, um, and, and came up with a number of, okay, so here's the arguments, here's the arguments. So just a couple points to lay out at you, and, and I don't want to belabor it and keep you here till noon. Um, I'll try not to. So 
So here's one thing. It never forbids uh, a woman from being a deacon. Uh, there is, at the very least, uh, a very strong suggestion that uh, Paul forbids women from being elders. But why should we forbid something the Bible doesn't forbid? Okay, here's where the, the main crux of the matter is. First Timothy 3.11 says this, Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful, and everything. This verse falls in the middle of the qualifications section talking about, about deacons. Okay? And so the real dis- discussion is, so that word wives, what is that word actually, what is that word? The Greek word is gunikos, which is the same word that is used for wife and woman. And so as you start running through the versions, here, let me put this up there for you. There's a lot of wives, likewise, in the same way the women. Women must likewise. Their wives likewise. likewise. So, so actually what we should have done is like four to two, wives wins. That's our decision. Um, but we didn't do that. Um, as you keep working through it, what you find is that word gunicus is used in 1 Timothy eight different times. And virtually every time, women seems like it should be the preferred choice. Uh, there's a possessive pronoun that gets inserted by some Bible versions. Uh, you see it in the ESV and the NLT. Oh, and the NET, the last three. Um, it says their wives, their wives, their wives. That word there is actually supplied by the translator. It's not in the Greek. What's happening is, is the translators are translating scripture. Like, we're going to try to clarify what they're talking about here. And so they added the word, word there, there, there. Okay. Um, Paul lays out a list of qualifications in 1 Timothy 3. He's got the qualifications for the elders, qualifications for deacons. In the list of qualifications for elders, nowhere does it discuss the elders' wives. And the elder is supposed to be the one who leads the church, but it never talks about their wife. But the deacon, who is a a servant among the church, somehow it starts talking about, well, if it's wives, why would it talk about the deacons' wives, not the elders' wives? Here's a really interesting fact. If you look at all of these versions, which are some of the best, in my opinion, Bible translations out there, Christian Standard Bible, New International Version, New American Standard Bible, English Standard Version, New English Translation, New Living Translation, every single one of those translations has a note next to the word wives or women, and at the bottom says, it could also be translated as, so even the translators are admitting that. Romans 16, the passage we talked about last week, Phoebe is called a deacon. The ending of the word is masculine. If you know anything about Spanish language, the, 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 the endings uh, have a lot to do with masculine or feminine. That would be really awkward to call Phoebe a dude unless it's talking about the office of deacon instead of her as a person. Paul describes her as a deacon of the church at Sancria, uh, which attaches her to a specific church, which is fascinating because you've got Phoebe who has come to Corinth and is serving Paul in Corinth and is taking the letter to Rome. So you've got two different churches, Corinth and Rome. And Paul says, she's not a deacon of either of those. She's, although she's serving Paul in Corinth, she's serving the church at Rome. No, no, she's a deacon of Sancria, the church at Sancria seemingly attaching her in her role and in her office. That's just a small handful of arguments. I don't have time. I'm actually over time already, so forgive me. But that's just a small handful of arguments that we've had. Okay, on top of that, that's the exegetical part. On top of that, we've looked at the common practice and observations of this position of deacon throughout church history. And in early church history, as earlier church history as well, it seemed not only acceptable and at times normative for women to operate as deacons in the church. This one will blow your mind if you're uncomfortable right now. We looked into Uniontown's own history. There are women sitting in this room who were deacons at Uniontown 20 years ago. 
But around the year 2000-ish, something changed. And so we're not besmirching that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we're simply just saying that that, that that was acceptable here. So in our study, we have found modern theologians and Bible scholars who's also viewed it acceptable in an appropriate approach. So based on all that, as an elder team, we've come to the conclusion that women should be considered for the office of deacon. But let me be intellectually transparent with you. There's a number of other people who use the same resources and come to the opposite conclusion. So we do not have any desire to say that we're right and they're wrong. Um, it'd be awesome if this was like, okay, there it is. Sorry, can't change my mind. It's in the Bible. God said it. I believe it. So there you go. In fact, this issue of women as deacons is one of these issues. It's like, this is what it says. And I know, and I know your argument too. I've studied it as well, and so it's there. So, so, so let, me, let me close up. I told you I hate this kind of message. I'm already scattered enough. You guys are probably like, what's happening? Okay. Um, <laughs> so first, um, first thing, what's next? First thing, we have a members meeting in two weeks on April 2nd. After the second service, that's the vote on the motion about the, uh, the leasing of the, the modulars. Um, and then second, and those right around that time, we will make the proposed bylaw changes available to you to review. Um, by a, uh, followed by a number of opportunities for you to meet with the elders and ask your questions. We're going to have a whole mess of meetings in April. We'll post those dates. We'll announce those dates. We'll keep those dates in front of you. That'll give you a chance to process everything that we've handed to you. Sit down with the elders and be like, I got a question, and then you can have your question answered. Thirdly, today, this afternoon, not only are we emailing the membership with that motion that we'll be considering on April 2nd, we will also be emailing a 15-page paper that shows our work on this particular issue of women deacons. It includes a full list of resources that you can access on your own. And if you're sitting here like, but I'm not a member, cool. We have made a mess of them available at the, uh, uh, out in the connections area by the, um, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it, the, the bar top? What do you call that, right in front of the windows there? <laughs> Maybe we should talk about something else next week, but that fancy little table thing there. Um, it says information paper, but please stop by there, grab that, bring that with you. But I have a suggestion, not a suggestion, I have something to request. Some of you might be sitting here being like, ah, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, get it, cool. I get it, completely get it. But before you come after us with your questions slash accusations that you pose as questions, I want to encourage you to spend time doing your own study. Don't just go off your emotions. So grab that paper, use that kind of as a guide to understand how we've come and, and landed where we are. But, but there's another view out there. Yeah, I know, we included it in that paper, and we included it in a positive light. We didn't rip it apart. Because again, I'd love this to be close, but it's, it's this. So because it's this type of issue, what we're going to do is we're going to continue moving forward with humility. Why? Because we admit and hope to always admit that although we've come to a conclusion, there's no way we can make an argument of absolutism in this particular area. And we believe by maintaining humility in this, well, that brings glory to God. And that gives us the opportunity to love God most and love others best. You go back to the book of Acts for just a minute as I close, the, the early church explodes with the gospel. And, and people are added to the church every day because people are overflowing in awe and, and you are seeing people just sharing with other people.
people and people sharing with other people. And at some point, it gets to the place in Acts chapter 6 that there are so many people in the church all of a sudden that they're not able to serve everybody. And so Acts chapter 6, we get this, this little model that's painted for us of people going to serve the widows who aren't being served the way they should be served. And, and the apostles are like, listen, we don't know what we should do. I got an idea. Let's try this. And out of that is born the, the, the role of deacon that we're all familiar with. They, they landed, I like to think we landed, where they landed. That we're going to do whatever God commands, we're not going to do whatever he forbids, and we're going to seek wisdom for everything else in life. And when you do that with integrity, this is what happens. Let me read to you Acts 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Hey, guess what? I love that you're here, but my greater concern are the thousands of people who aren't. Not because we need a bigger church. Lord knows we, we got no parking left. Because they desperately need to taste and see that God is good. They desperately need to see what it is that Jesus really does for them. And then the world is turned upside down. So please remember, everything after the gospel presentation at the beginning is secondary. May we fix our eyes on Jesus more than we fix our eyes on anything else. Father, thanks for your word. I, I thank you for this place. God, we have so many good men and women here. We, we are so blessed with a history that is ridiculous. We are so blessed with reminders, constant reminders of your faithfulness. We're so, we're so blessed and fortunate, Father, to be able to celebrate with the saints of old that we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know, we admit fully, we are doing the best we can with what we have, and, and even on our best day, we're gonna mess it up. So God, would you take these moments where we're just trying to hold on to you and, and pursue you in wisdom, would you take these moments and multiply them exponentially and do things we never could imagine? Lord, I pray that no matter what happened today, that first and foremost, every single one of us would leave here remembering that we have a Savior who loved us, who died for us, who rose again, and who's coming back. It's in his matchless name I pray. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.